0: what an amazing anthem actually that text clean hands pure heart comes from Psalm 24 said give us clean hands give us a pure heart let's not lift our souls to any idols and then it says let us be a generation who seeks your face O God of Jacob and that's I think what we're all looking for in this building is somehow to have clean hands on the outside but a good good heart on the inside, and um, asking God to allow our insides and our outsides to be congruent as we press into this year and seek the face of God. And when we're saying seek the face of God in the Old Testament, when they said that, they were saying we want to seek your face in the sense that we want your face to shine on us, and we want the favor of God to look at us and smile upon us. That's my hope and my dream coming into this year, that we would be that generation, such as the generation of those who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Amen. This new year, typically, we think, and I've heard the word a lot this week, is the word discipline. I gotta get disciplined. It's gonna be a year of discipline for me. It's not even people's key word they're chasing after. They're like, in order for me to do the word, I gotta have discipline. And when I think of discipline, it's restraining myself from the things I wanna do and doing the things that I don't wanna do. Oftentimes (laughs) discipline doesn't sound all that appealing to me. But I was thinking coming into this year that I think we need more than just discipline to restrain ourselves from doing things that we don't wanna do and then making ourselves do things that we ought to do that we don't really feel like. And we need more than discipline that we are a people that needs permission. It's not just about saying no to unhealthy things in our life, it's about saying yes to healthy things. I know with our girls, it's easy to get into a mindset where you're just trying to teach them to make good choices, to say no to peer pressure and the constant temptation to fit in by participating in unhealthy behavior better known as sin. And there is a lot of peer pressure. Uh, There's a picture up in their bathroom that I see every day Not because I'm in their bathroom in the morning, because I'm not, but usually I'm up in their bathroom sometime at night, and Heidi put this picture frame in their bathroom with a quote inside of it. This is the picture frame. You can't really read it very well, but it says this, the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. Let's say that one more time. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. And my my daughters see that every day. And something about this quote reminded me of something George Orwell said. I don't know if you've ever read his writings. They're kind of depressing, but he said something kind of cool. He said, in times of universal deceit, Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So when I think of rebellious and I think of revolutionary, a lot of times you you don't put those in a positive light, but in order to be a rebel in our world, to not do what everybody else is doing, you're actually going to have to have clean hands and a pure heart for something revolutionary and rebellious, an uprising to take place an insurrection to take place for the good. See, universal deceit is the same as peer pressure and telling the truth is doing the right thing. That's a revolutionary act these days. And just to set the record straight, peer pressure isn't just a teenager thing. It's an adult thing as well. We are knowingly and unknowingly being shown and told what we need to be and to do in order to fit in, to be seen as normal in Americana, and ultimately to be accepted by those around us in the majority, or what they tell us the majority are. It got me thinking this week about peer pressure and its power on everyone these days, and I looked up peer pressure and I found a definition. Peer pressure is when an individual or group of people attempts to cause another person to conform to some type of universal unwritten code. At a point you don't even know why you're doing it anymore. You just realize so many people are doing it it must be the thing to do to fit in. It happened, I happened upon a simple poem this week that creates a word picture for how things go down in the underworld and unseen places of our hearts. The poet Margot Rose penned it this way. My mind is like a little house my peers break into. They rearrange my furniture and the cabinets rifle through. They throw things out. They put things in and erase the writing on the wall. And by the time that they walk out, it's not my mind at all. Some of you have lost your mind. You've lost who you are. You don't even know anymore is this me or is this like some social pressure put on me that i have just unknowingly given into and acquiesced this last february i was at a conference i'll be going to it again it's called exponential it's a church planting conference but it's really a disciple making conference where this idea was floated out there called permission giving the idea is that everybody is walking around and they need to be given permission to do what in their heart they're wondering if they should do. And when you give people permission, I don't know, birthed something in my heart. And I wrote down the quote from the speaker, and it said this, so many people are waiting around for someone to see something more in them and to give them permission to live it without apology. And I wondered if that was really true. And the more I've tested out this theory on myself and other people this year in the trenches of everyday life, the more I'm convinced it is that we do need permission. Someone to come up and say, do it. Do that thing. You have permission. Permission granted. As a church, I've often wondered how to combat the spirit of the age and the new norms that are force-fed to us every day in schools, in colleges, in the media, in Hollywood, and sometimes even families of origin. I've wondered how to uphold truth when what's being touted as true isn't truly true and what's being fed to you as is real isn't really real. So then how do you stand against what the world says is natural and normal when a disciple of Christ reads the Bible and it declares it is unnatural and abnormal? What happens when common sense starts to become uncommon sense? And at the start of the year, I felt it was important as your pastor to speak into this pervasive problem of peer pressure. And as I was thinking about the antidote for peer pressure, a thought came to my mind. And it was this, the only power against peer pressure is communal conscience, That's what we're gonna try to do this weekend is form a communal conscience. What do we believe to be normal and natural, real and right, and how can we stand together for these virtues and values with conviction and compassion in this world? And we build a consensus of positive peer pressure with a communal conscience or a collective conscience. And I'm gonna stand up here and give you permission to believe some things, feel some things, do some things, and want some things that out there is gonna be revolutionary and rebellious. It's been said if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. So how do you stand for something and what are those things we should stand for exactly? I ask myself, what is our collective conscience? And then I girded up my loins to give people permission this weekend to live out these convictions with compassion and without apology or contrition. To encourage people to settle the matter in their hearts that they are okay with being different than the status quo, being crammed down our throats, killing everyone subtly and slowly like asbestos. As the great theologian Jim Morrison from The Doors said, where's your will to be weird? Where's your will to be weird? We feel so harassed by social guilt, don't we? We're caught in indecision about so many things we need permission to reclaim what's natural and normal again. It got me to thinking of just simple things that we wrestle with based on peer pressure in a world of political correctness. And I'm here to tell you, we don't need to think ourselves old-fashioned if we don't get our kids a smartphone by age eight. We don't need to let the Republicans or Democrats frame our understanding of morality or reality or even theology letting the tag whale the dog. Amen. We don't need to accept everything about everyone in order to be perceived as loving. That's not love. We don't need to feel that if we're alone on Friday night at home, we're losers. Amen. We don't need to apologize. Maybe you're home a lot on Friday night all by yourself. We don't need to apologize for believing in an intelligent designer who created the world. To me, it takes just as much faith to believe that everything we see came from nothing out of nowhere caused by no one. Both theories require faith and gobs of it. We don't need to feel bad for not letting our kids go to inappropriate movies that everyone else is letting their children go to. We don't need to take our kids to Disney in order to be classified as a loving loving and nurturing parent. We don't need to keep hanging out with toxic people because we feel responsible to be the only ones to not give up on them. We don't need the next cool, shiny thing in order to feel relevant and respected in society. We don't need tons of best friends that we're doing things with all the time in order to feel normal. We don't need to like everything we're noticing that gods of people are gravitating to and participating in. We don't need to believe there are 31 unique genders to be enlightened and cultured. I read through all 31 of those and I thought, what is normal and natural? What has happened to us? We don't need to hide that we have nice things, feeling guilty that others might think we're somehow ungodly. If you have wealth here, that's a good thing. Good for you. Don't feel guilty about it. Just share. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have to feel like a horrible parent when our three-year-old isn't behaving in public. And we don't really need to feel guilty for disciplining our kids in public when they're misbehaving. We don't need to feel embarrassed when we don't have nice things, wondering if people will think we're not living up to our potential or college educated. We don't need to feel pressure or to pressure our kids to get perfect grades in order to impress strangers. We don't need to feel bad for having values that run counter to a culture where everything's tolerant. We don't need to feel antiquated when we won't buy our daughter's birth control just in case. We don't need to please everyone or appease everyone. I'll have you know, being disliked by some people isn't abnormal. Talk to Jesus about that. We don't need to feel guilty when someone asks what we're doing tonight and we say nothing and then they ask if we want to do something and we say, nah. We don't need to feel like constant attention or affirmation in order to feel important. It's actually cool to live with integrity and obscurity. Try it sometime. We aren't cruel if we don't let our kids play Fortnite with all their free time with all their friends. We don't need to feel bad when standing for what we believe hurts someone else's feelings. Hurting someone's feelings, contrary to public opinion, is not one of the seven deadly sins, though you'd think it would be. And lastly, we don't need to shower our kids with rewards and parties for every little thing they accomplish. Can I get an amen? Amen. This cultural pressure is so enormous that if you don't just give into it, you fear you're going to be criticized and ostracized and forever banished in exile to the life of a lonely loser. And this is what got me thinking about the power of permission particularly with people who are wanting to do the right thing but are unsure how to pull that off when they're surrounded by opposing views and values that are being sold as gospel truth. I found an article speaking toward this concept in psychology today, and I love this section of the article where the author speaks about the phenomenon of permission. He says, and I quote, at the age of 36, I am more or less an adult. (laughs) That's a weird way to start. Also, I happen to be self-employed and married to someone who really has no interest in controlling me or anyone else. I picked a good one. I have no one telling me no, ever. And yet as free to be me as I may be, I have felt more restricted and tethered down in these adult years than I ever did as a kid. The reason, I have had no one telling me yes. I read that over and over again. And I'm like, that puts into words something that I feel. It's what he called in the article, getting the green light from other people. So I want to give everyone today the green light on some things based on God's word that hopefully will fill your will with the wind and your sails. You need to live the life that our creator says is natural and normal. And I'd say it this way, we have to, at some point, make a choice of whether we're gonna listen to our Creator or our culture, the person who made us, or the place that's trying to remake us. I woke up Tuesday morning with an idea of reading through all of Proverbs, right up to Proverbs 31. I even learned how to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And this is the Bible's wisdom literature just to get permission from God to pull the trigger of truth and follow the Bible bullet wherever it goes. You can call it the 20 Proverbs of permission. And you can thank me because I came up with 64 of them. And I trimmed them down to just 20. And I'm not gonna elaborate on a lot of these because they speak for themselves. It's almost like a needless to say sort of a thing. And when I looked at the Proverbs through the lens of the power of permission, what God in his infinite, timeless wisdom shares with us, it's crazy how you read the Proverbs totally differently. So here we go. Proverbs 8, 30 and 31. I loved this. The author said I was constantly at God's side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. I got to thinking about that one. What a great worldview. I want impact to wake up in the day with that mindset. Feel like waking up, I'm at your side, God. My day, I'm filled with delight day after day. I'm rejoicing in your presence and I'm rejoicing in the whole world and I'm delighting in humankind all over this planet. Is that how you see people functioning in this world? Not me. So I'm gonna give you permission. You have permission to wake up and love each day, love God's presence and love the whole world, delighting in humanity. Arm yourself with that spirit in the morning. You have permission to be like that. And believe me, if you're like that, you are gonna be the weirdest person in the world. And every single day, the weirdest person in the room. Who in the world loves the whole world and delights in humanity? And delights day after day and rejoices in the presence of God? Who does that? Christians, real ones. Proverbs 11, 12 and 13, whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, that I means puts them down, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. You have permission to know the juicy details about something and to honorably keep them to yourself. Thank you very much. You have permission to know something so amazingly dirty on somebody or something so juicy on something and to keep your mouth shut and to hold it inside of your heart. That one's going to be a tough one for some of you because you got logorrhea, which is diarrhea of the mouth. It's a real word. Look it up. Proverbs 12, 11, those who work their land will have abundant food but those who chase fantasies have no sense. You have permission to exercise caution with virtual reality slash social media while fighting for the value of actual reality. Don't cheat, create. And I'm saying that to parents. Don't cheat and let your kids be raised by screens. Let them chasing after fantasies. Actually move into reality. And in order to do that, it's harder because you have to create something that actually exists to do. Proverbs 12, 26, the honest heart chooses their friends carefully, but the way the wicked leads them astray. You have permission to pick good friends that you share your values with, feeling pressure, rather than feel, without feeling pressure to befriend everyone equally. This is a great way to be like, oh my gosh, I can actually exercise some partiality with friendships? Yes, Jesus did. He picked 12. And then he picked three that were his really good friends. The other night, they're like, why can't I go to the Mount of Transfiguration? Because I said so. <laughs> I want these guys. Peter, James, and John. They're going, why can't I go to the Garden of Gethsemane? I've always wanted to see there and watch you sweat drops of blood. No, these three. That's a cardinal of sin. No, it's not. You pick your friends carefully. Proverbs 14:4, four, where there are no oxen, it's one of my favorite verses. The stall is clean. It means there's no manure in it. But from the strength of the ox comes abundant harvest. So I need the ox, but I don't really like the manure. And what they're saying poetically is you have permission to embrace that life, your life can be messy and good at the same time. You don't have to think something's wrong. Do you know everybody's life in this room and in the services tomorrow will be messy and good at the same time? Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end, it leads to death. You have permission to not participate in what seems popular to everyone in the short term but is deadly in the long game tons of things seem right in the moment you have permission to be like you know what i'm living for the long run the long game i know that leads to death Proverbs fifteen thirty, light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. You have permission to let your eyes and mouth promote positive vibes and values. It goes back to that worldview of God in the beginning. Proverbs seventeen twenty four, start starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. This is awesome. You have permission to have a legitimate beef or issue with someone and to make the decision to just drop it for the greater good. God said it. You can have a legitimate issue and just drop the matter. Just drop it. Well, that's, that's not justice. We'll get to that in a second. Proverbs 19.3, a person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against God. Funny thing, they're ticked at God. You have permission to stop being mad at God for the consequences of decisions you've made. That's a freeing moment right now for a lot of people. If you can just digest how long you've been mad at God for decisions and predicaments you put yourself into, you could start having a healing and a freedom happen in your life. And I know it's easier to blame God for all of your problems and other people, but if you can start owning in personal responsibility your own decision rather than raging against God and other people, you can start making some headway in 2019. Proverbs 19:19, 19, 19, a hot tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them and you'll have to do it again. Do I even need to say what this one means? You have permission to stop shielding the people you love from the penalties of bad behavior. Pain was created by God to protect us. Let people feel the pain of their bad behavior. If you don't, you're gonna have to do it over and over and over again. I don't think it's a bad thing to actually pray for your kids to get caught. I think it's okay to add, like at something in the end. God, please allow my child to get caught before. It's really, really devastating. But even then, you don't have to add the end if you don't want. (laughs) That just is for all of you moms that thought I was heartless, and I am kinda tonight. (laughs) Proverbs 20, 22, do not say, I'll pay you back for that wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. That's why you can drop the matter. You have permission to forgive people, letting God execute justice and judgment for the things they did to hurt you. You have permission to forgive those people even though they deserve to get paid back and let God pay them back with his retribution and his justice. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, do not make friends with a toxic person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You have permission to walk away from relationships in your life that are toxic. Do it for your own soul's sake and don't buy the ensuing guilt trip. You have permission. Well, that's not what a good Christian would do. That's what the good book says. If you stay in those too long, you learn their ways and ensnare yourself. Well, I'm always putting the oxygen on everybody else. Listen, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. See, I listen in the planes when the rest of you are on your iPhones. Proverbs 23, 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them, they will not die. I love this one. I'm glad my kids are here. You have permission to discipline your kids for things that other parents seem to let go. It won't kill them. You have permission to discipline your kids for things that other parents let go and don't think are a big deal. It won't kill them. In the long run, they'll come back and say, you were right, thank you. Play the long game with discipline, not the short game. Your parents, you're not best friends. That might come someday, but this is not that day. Well, wow, that sounds like Aragorn. <laughs> oh, I want to go into a quote. There you go. <laughs> Proverbs twenty four, eleven, rescue those being led to death. Hold back those who are staggering toward the slaughter. You have permission to fight for the hearts of people who are on a path that is leading to destruction. We need more first responders. It seems different than just helping somebody that's hot-tempered over and over again, and you're gonna have to do it again. It's not talking about that. There are people staggering toward the slaughter, and if Christians are not going to have permission... And we don't culture cast here today and say this is a group of people that when we see someone staggering toward the slaughter or destruction, we intervene, we intercept. The people of impact do that because we love people that much. Proverbs 24, 16, Though the upright fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. You have permission to fail in attempting a meaning, life of meaning so long as you decide that you will rise again and never give in and never give up. i heard like, well, failure is not an option. If failure is not an option, then success isn't either. Because I don't know anybody that's ever been a success without failing a lot. They just keep getting back up. They never lose. They just learn. Proverbs 26, 18, and 19, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is the one who deceives his neighbor and says, oh, I was only joking. You have permission to stop using sarcasm as a way to make a point or share your opinion. It's maniacal communication, according to Proverbs. Maniacs do that. Not this, well, you know, the minute it isn't receivable. I was only joking. Don't let your kids do that. Now, you don't talk to your brother that way. And, and then I was only joking, we don't do that in this house, why? Because God's word says don't do that. It's a flaming arrow of destruction that pierces people's souls. How many of you sarcasm like for a few days is really cool and then by the third day you wanna punch somebody in the throat? It's because it's maniacal communication. You got something to say? Put on your big boy pants and just say it with the English language. And I don't know what you girls wear, but you put on your little big bro, girl panties and you just do the same thing. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted. means when they hurt you or tell you what you don't want to hear, you can trust them. They're faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. <laughs> They're buck kissers, and it's flattery. It's amazing, way back here, buck kissing still existed. They multiply kisses and it's flattery. You have permission to speak to the truth and love to your friends instead of avoiding the obvious day after day. Flattery is cruel, confrontation is caring and cool. A friend stabs you in the front, an enemy stabs you in the back. And we must be a community of faith, especially when we start life groups, that if you notice the obvious in someone's life, if somebody has a booger hanging out of their nose, say, you got a booger hanging out of your nose, I'm a friend, I'll tell you. It's that kind of thing. It's awkward. Somebody going to tell them they got a bat in the cave? Ever? Or it's like, no, I just don't want to offend them. We, if you build relational trust, should be the ones that stab them right in the front. I remember one quote somebody said, "So the most hurtful thing in my life has not been the criticism of my enemies, it's been the silence of my friends. Just a few more, Proverbs 28, one, the wicked flee though no one pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You have permission to believe that boldness accompanies those who choose to do what's right and that compromise breeds paranoia and insecurity. Proverbs 28:13 Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I know this is hard to believe because concealing is way harder than revealing. You have permission to come out of hiding today, confess your secret sins and finally find mercy and freedom. Concealing kills, revealing restores. Everything in our world is like just trying to dodge the issue and be elusive and evasive, and I'm telling you, if you can just say, I'm gonna confess. Isn't that what James says? Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, but it is preceded by honesty and renouncing that in community. This is our collective communal conscience. And there's people up here after the service that'll pray with you that you can confess to. And guess what you're gonna find in this church? Mercy and grace in your time of need. The last one, Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Don't check out of this one, guys, quite yet. You have permission to stop believing that your body image is more important than the beauty of a heart in love with God. It will fade. And guys, you have permission to be attracted to something more than body image and to actually be looking at somebody. The sexiest, most beautiful thing is a woman who pursues and loves Jesus. And if you needed my permission to be or do any of the things that I just mentioned, consider this message to be my attempt at saying permission granted and just stamping that on your life. I was thinking permission often provides the transmission for someone to live on mission. And if you're gonna live on mission, one of the first things is someone who is in leadership that you look up to, that's setting the tone, that's setting the culture, that's setting literally the spirit. It's called in Latin the genius loci or the spirit, the protective spirit of place. The genius loci or the protective spirit of this place is to have permission to actually activate and mobilize in these things that I've shared out of God's word today. And to know that there's a consensus or a collective consciousness here that will say through positive peer pressure, we're in this together and we're gonna be revolutionaries and we're gonna be rebels for the good. The last thing I wanted to share and then we're gonna sing good grace one more time because I just want to. Greg McKellen said this, only by feeling the power of permission to stop trying to do it all, to stop saying yes to everything, can you make your highest contribution towards saying, towards the things that really matter. And I feel like we can get so lost in being so self-conscious about the peer pressure of the world. Peer pressure is, I think, eradicated when we feel the strength of communal conscience together and we can get about the business of living out a life that really matters. This is what we believe at impact. This is who we are. And you are free to start living this reality today. You have my permission and you have God's permission, which is even a bigger deal. Why don't you just stand up, give somebody a high five and just say, I wanna do that. I wanna do that. Just say you have permission. You have permission. Give people permission today.